Our reading continues this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, reading from the English Standard Version. Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, Jesus began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, reveal your word to us this day that we might have life in your name. Amen. What do you imagine that Jesus expected was going to happen when he tried to go home again? He had to have known that there was at least the slightest possibility that his visit would be cut short. And at first, it seemed like everything was going pretty well. But the gospel writer tells us that everything started to go south when he began to teach, proclaiming the good news that God's reign on earth had come and would become known by the signs of grace and restoration the very signs of the ministry of Jesus. Today's translation reads that many who heard him were astonished. The Greek word used here indicates that the people were literally overwhelmed, taken aback, speechless. Jesus' message was just too good to be true, although it is quite clear from the scriptures that the people's concern was less about the message and more about the messenger. Isn't this the carpenter, they said to one another. Don't we know him? 
and his family and all of the gossip that goes on about them. To be clear, these are the people that Jesus grew up with, the people whose claims upon his past sought to determine the possibilities of his future. Jesus' presence in the synagogue that day is in the central gathering place of his own childhood community became offensive, not simply because of what he had to say, but because of who he would have to be in order to say it. The people in Jesus' hometown did not want to hear his words primarily because they did not desire to hear his voice. And you will have noticed that the members of his own family who were also in the room said nothing. They did not come to Jesus' defense. His own family's silence was a means of affirming the people's rejection of his ministry as being worthy of suspicion. And in their marveling at his audacity, Jesus in turn was said to marvel at their unbelief, their refusal to listen and to hear and to receive the good news. The dismissal of Jesus by his family and childhood community is no small matter from the vantage point of the first century cultural world. For it indicates an ultimatum between staying and remaining in your place or leaving with the assurance that by doing so you will surely now be on your own. Except that Jesus wasn't on his own nor was he without relationships. First and foremost, Jesus was guided by the Holy Spirit, whose presence was near and was in him. He, too, was accompanied by disciples who also left their former lives behind. And together with them, Jesus' ministry continued as he went out teaching in the nearby villages, sharing and demonstrating through the building of community the news that God's kingdom of grace was more expansive than anything we have ever seen or could imagine. This story, found in today's reading, communicates to us an important lesson, that to know Jesus is not simply a matter of familiarity. It is as much and more a matter of discerning the presence of the Holy Spirit at work among us. Because our faith is not a singular experience, nor can it be fully captured by a moment in time. It is rather a daily and continuous journey of listening and perceiving and trusting in the moment-by-moment invitation of the divine in our lives, leaning into the mysteries of love and where it leads. That's hard work. For it entails the long, slow process of gradually letting go of all that we thought our lives would be. And we learn to let go, not because it is easy, but so our lives may become what only God can make of them. Because only God can make the most of our desire to grow. And only God can understand what the seeds of that growth are meant to become. Jesus' sending of the disciples in today's reading is a significant turning point in the Gospel of Mark. 
for it indicates the expansion of Jesus' kingdom message into new places by way of the disciples and by the inspiration always of the Holy Spirit. Thus it becomes clear that Jesus does not send the disciples to begin their own missions, nor does Jesus merely send a few of them. Rather, Jesus sends the twelve together, indicating that the mission of the reign of God is intrinsic to their vocation of discipleship, not only of the twelve, but also of the community that would become known as the church. The mission of demonstrating God's reign here and now through signs of grace and the restoring of communities is intrinsic to the calling of God and to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. As theologian Daryl Gruder aptly notes in this regard, to be called by Jesus means to be sent by Jesus. To be the people of God means to be the sent people of God. God's mission is not a task for the disciples to carry out. It is the very aim and character of their way of life. And that means that the implications of the disciples' willingness to be sent is not merely for the purpose of bearing witness to the good news of the kingdom. The willingness to be sent by Jesus is itself also formative for the disciples not only in their continued discernment of their callings, but also in their continued discernment of the one who called them and of the kingdom into which they have been called. These verses, verses 7 through 13, are revealing of a number of important observations for us today as we too continue to discern the calling and the kingdom of the Spirit of God among us. First, it is notable that Jesus does not send the disciples by themselves. They are to go with one another, in community with one another, carrying out the ministry of Jesus by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And they go together, not merely as a matter of safety, but because their togetherness is itself a witness and a sign of the good news that the disciples are being sent out to proclaim. And notice how he is sending them. No bread, no bag, no money, no extra clothes, only a staff to keep them upright and the traveling shoes upon their feet. Nothing more, nothing less. Now we could certainly try our best to come up with metaphorical meanings for each of the items that the disciples are expected to leave behind, but in doing so, we would surely distort the simplicity of Jesus' invitation regarding the posture that is expected of those whom he sends and all who would seek to follow him, empty-handed, and open to receiving the provision of God by means of the generosity of those with whom we are sent, to go in peace, 
and above all else with hearts attentive to the nature and the character of divine love. Or as Paul says elsewhere, having nothing and yet possessing everything. How do we know this? Because Jesus tells his disciples to enter the houses of the people with whom they are being sent. Jesus is sending his disciples with a message, not just words, but an invitation to a way of life and of presence marked by the sharing and the mending and the building and the restoring of relationships, of livable spaces and neighborhoods, places of connection where broken bonds are mended and the deepest bonds are forged and our memories can be healed and our dreams can be renewed. Jesus sends the disciples into the villages, that is, into the places where real people actually live. And he is not sending them to force their way in, nor are they to presume to take from the people with whom they are being sent. No, it is meant for them to uncover over time the wisdom of a mutuality, a giving and a receiving, a reciprocity of sharing through neighborliness and concern as being itself a sign of God's reign in their midst. Jesus does not send his disciples inviting people to come to them, but to love, befriend, and to form community with people in the midst of their daily lives, to see their beauty and to name it, to discern their gifts and to bless them, to feel their brokenness and to embrace it, to enter their stories and to make them their own, to sit at the tables and sow the seeds and tend the soil and gather the harvest and do the cooking and share in the meals and sing the songs and scrub the floors and feel the hurting and hold the dying hands and listen and listen and listen and listen always gently and humbly and peacefully and with openness. Because God's mission is a mission for making a home together, of being home with and for each other, a mission where every house becomes a home and all have a home to go home to. Such is the wide scope of the kingdom of God, reframing our lives that we would imagine new possibilities. And this is God's mission, uncovered by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. For when we gather around this table, we are not simply remembering Jesus' message about the kingdom. As the body of Christ, we are bearing witness to God's establishment of the kingdom in the here and now. 
both as a sign of the reality of the Holy Spirit among us, as a witness to the openness of this table for all who would receive from it, and as a foretaste of that kingdom's fullness in the time that is to come. Many of the people in Jesus' hometown were astonished by the good news that he proclaimed. And Jesus, in turn, was astonished by their unwillingness to listen. But the most astonishing part of today's reading is surely the part where Jesus calls his disciples together and sends them out. And they go to heal and to restore, to love the people well, and to meet them right where they are. At risk of rejection and without ever knowing how their own lives would be changed as a result and the transformation that would take place in them and through them because of their willingness to tend to the signs of grace and the healing and restoring of communities that they in turn would become a part of. Because the calling to go is the calling to trust. And the calling to trust is the calling to listen. And the calling to listen is the calling to learn. And the calling to learn is the calling to connect. And the calling to connect is the calling to love. And the calling to love is the calling of salvation that Jesus extends to each of us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, that is exactly what they did. Accepting the uncertain journey of an abundance of life together because it was the journey on which Jesus called and was sending them. The disciples did not know where they were going. They were simply following Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may we have the courage to do the same. Amen.